Three-point range, evening edition, pre-Thanksgiving edition. And boy, do I hope this gets me out of having to do a Thanksgiving Day edition. This is Mike Berardino, joined as always by the the founder, I guess, Kimball Crosley, the scout, and the uh, professor, Tim Crothers. And uh, before we start, uh, does this take care of my obligation for the... No, our, our holiday shows are our most popular. <laughs> Have you not seen the demographics? Have you not looked at those numbers? It's too depressing. I It's uh, it's just like a, you I, know, a holiday episode I, of, of uh, Cheers or some yeah. other popular show. They, they The ratings go through the roof. What is the blurb for that? What is like a... Your dad is your dad said something one time that was like this is like the better it's better than turkey. What, what kind of thing was that? What is all right? Well, let's just go down to North Carolina and see what uh, uh, the guy who sent his kid to Boston College where they can't play football anymore has to say. God, yes, I I think it's about time I speak based on what's happened so far. No, oh, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, it's called cross talk. Uh, mm-hmm. Well. Uh, I wonder what you guys were doing this morning at 11 a.m. No, don't, don't answer that. I don't really care. It was a rhetorical question. I was voting. I, and I probably don't want to know what you were doing. I was voting. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I was doing. Predictably, I was watching Qatar play uh, Ecuador in a, in a soccer match. And uh, I can honestly say this, that I, while I am a soccer head, uh, there are no circumstances that would get me up uh, at 11 a.m. to watch a soccer match between Qatar and Ecuador, except that it be the World Cup. And, uh, I, you know, that's just a, a catnip for me in terms of in terms of uh, sporting events. And so I've, I've been looking forward to this for for a good bit now. But uh, at the same time, I've been troubled. And I, I, I got to say that that by the end of watching this match today, I felt as if I needed a shower. It was, it was, the whole thing was kind of, kind of disgusting. And you know, you both know my, my uh, lack of affinity for bathing. So the fact that I would even want to take a a shower at the end of something like this (laughs) is, uh, is saying something in itself. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Kimball doesn't follow soccer too closely. Mike, I don't even know with you anymore, but, uh, what does that I, mean? I don't. I mean, I don't remember. Do you follow? Do you care about the World Cup? I've attended on the World I've Cup. A, I've a, not yet. I've attended World Cup before, okay. men's and women's. I, All right. I've never All right. covered. I've, uh, have you ever covered a World Cup match? Uh, on I have side? not. I yeah. have not. No. Uh, All right. There you go. But anyway, um, so yeah. I, I, then I'm sure you're you're familiar with the situation. I, I don't know how familiar Kimball is with the situation, but. But yeah, just the fact that this is occurring in Qatar is is really kind of uh, the reason why. What'd you I, say? I felt felt a little slimy about this whole situation. I just don't. I don't. This 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 event, by all accounts, should not be occurring in Qatar. Uh, this this whole thing is, you know, I and mean, we all know anyone who's familiar with international soccer in any way knows that FEMA, FIFA is the slimiest organization you could ever ever run across and so you know about a decade ago fifa sold the world cup to cutter 
with the idea that that uh, that ooh that we will have the first Arab World Cup. Well, yeah, that's that's sounded all well and good that we're bringing the World Cup someplace that it has never been before, but uh, but we it wouldn't have been difficult to figure out even at that time that bringing the bringing the world that the the biggest sporting event in the world to a very very small arabian country um that has some somewhat uh ultra conservative shall we say um uh beliefs is is probably uh, a recipe for disaster certainly you could argue that it's making a deal with the devil and in this case uh you know what we've seen ever since that that original deal is that is that yes that Qatar basically bought themselves uh an opportunity to to publicize their country on the world stage and bought themselves an opportunity to get their national team into the world cup which they not otherwise would not have been as as uh, most people know if you're hosting the world cup you're automatically part of the field which uh, is the only way that Qatar was getting into the world cup so the you know brief history since then uh Qatar built eight eight stadiums brand new stadiums uh which as far as i can tell will be used for the next three weeks and then never again um at what cost nobody will ever know but uh we can assume that it was immense um not that anybody in Qatar really cares because the the oil money is flowing and all is good but um but what we should care about is the fact that the these stadiums were built on the backs uh which has gotten more and more publicity over the last few weeks where it was built on the backs of uh, a lot of southeast asian mi minor migrant workers um hundreds at least if not thousands of whom have died in the process um as they were essentially treated as indentured servants to build these ridiculous stadiums that will be used for one for three weeks and never again and uh and the entire world <laughs> world cup i think that fifa has suddenly realized that huh all right here's a place that um, is fairly intolerant of pretty much everything other than collecting uh, money for oil um certainly intolerant of of homosexuality which has come up a lot in the last few weeks as well certainly uh basically intolerant of alcohol which has become a rather large issue when they when when uh cutter originally agreed to to sell uh alcohol at these games but then decided right before the world cup started nah no nah, we're not we're not actually going to do that well, that's what happens when you make a deal with the devil FIFA. They, the devil gets to decide what, what the hell they want to do, because what are you going to do, move it at this point? So basically what we've got now is that one of the world's grandest events uh, placed in, in, a, in this weird dystopian kingdom that we're not, uh, we, 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 we're not familiar with and we have only every time we find out new things about it, it doesn't seem to uh, to jibe with the values of what I hope are are uh, common sense and good good thinking people. Um, so now I think I'm just wondering as we go forward. You know, I, I did not. I have to admit that whole the whole idea of this 
uh, this place really kind of overwhelmed my thoughts as I was watching this team uh, or watching this game this morning. Um, part of it was the fact that Cutter was one of the two teams and they were terrible and it was uh, very obvious that they didn't deserve to be part of the field. So that in itself was another kind of black mark against the whole the whole process. But I'm just wondering, I, you know, I, I guess maybe this is one of those things that that three weeks from now when we do our next version of our next podcast, uh, maybe I, we can revisit this and I'll see how I feel. But I wonder, I'm just wondering whether this is this black cloud is going to remain over the World Cup for me and for so many other people who who normally enjoy this event uh, as much as just about any other sporting event that exists. Um, I just don't know. I mean, tomorrow's tomorrow's the first U.S. game. Am I going to feel this way when the U.S. is playing uh, playing their opener uh, as opposed to watching a game between Qatar and Ecuador? I don't know, but uh, I think it's going to be fascinating as we move forward to see whether this black cloud stays over the World Cup or whether we all just kind of rush rush this off to the side and say, all right, let's enjoy this incredible event. Um, I, you know, it, 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 there's so many other things I could get into. I mean, the fact that it's in November, which it absolutely shouldn't shouldn't be because it, it's sort of ruins uh, so many of the other league seasons. I mean, there's just, there's a ton of reasons why it shouldn't, shouldn't be happening in, in Qatar, but, uh, I've gone through most of them and I just, I'm, I'm just curious, particularly you, Mike, I know who seems to, seems to be, uh, plugged into this. Uh, are you feeling any of this, this sort of, um, hey, you know. I'm on this. All I'm right, well, you this. Can, I, I'd love Emma's to hear plugged you. in. I'd love I'm to hear plugged you. In. No, look, I'm a you know I'm a bit of a soccer guy, and, okay. and not not as you are. And I've actually been into the World Cup before. And yeah, I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can get into the World Cup in the winter or the late fall. Right. You know, so that that is a factor. And and I've been, you know, this coverage has has sort of been going on for a few years because obviously that it's been in the works. You know and you know, and I've heard about the 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 deaths and and which is just mind boggling, right? Just like that, that like it's 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 a lot of deaths in building these stadiums, which is just yeah. like wow, <laughs> wow. Um, right. And you know, all those things you've you've discussed. Um, and I was sitting there. I think if it was not a, a day for one of the biggest football games of my lifetime, <laughs> I, might have, <laughs> I might have tuned in in the same way you did it. But I did. You know, it's hard not to follow this in social media, um, and the, you know it, it's been very interesting. And and there's, I can, you're not the only one that's sort of has these mixed feelings. It sounds like a lot of people are like sort of torn, you know. And we've kind of talked about this before. Like, what part do we play as a viewer? You know, if we're just turning it on, are we contributing to it? Are we like enabling the whole thing to happen? Because you know, we're not boycotting it when we when maybe we should consider that like. And would it make any difference if my TV wasn't turned to that channel today? <laughs> you know, but right. but no, you're right. Like I, I think there was something I saw about you know that you can have alcohol in the boxes. Like the, the rich people can have the alcohol, but the the people in the stands can't. Apparently, um, yes. And the sky, yeah. the rich sky boxes, you can have you can have illicit alcohol. And, and the uh, most the most interesting thing I saw was it felt like, and you can comment on this, the U.S. broadcast really tried to gloss over a lot of this whereas the bbc i happen to see did you see the lead-in for the bbc broadcast where they someone started the broadcast by bringing up a lot of what you're talking about saying but we're going to show the soccer 
you know, the football match, but, you know, just, we are very aware of all this stuff and, you know, sort of torn ourselves, which I thought was, you know, good job, BBC. They're always yeah. a step ahead of us when it comes yeah, to that. And I think mm-hmm. their, their coverage, they, they did not shy away from showing things like, you know, the fact that there's no women in the stands and, and <laughs> things like that. But I guess the, the one thing I'm curious about is, and, and I've seen some of the media coverage, like, uh, you know, media members told I have access and then someone's like taking away their camera and like getting, you know, rough with them. Do you think something's going to go horribly wrong? Do you think that in the next few weeks, there's going to be a moment or two where, where, you know, we have a, you know, something go drastically wrong, like we've had in sometimes in the Olympics, you know, uh, you know, is, do you think there's, there's room for that? Cause it, it seems like it, when you have people traveling to see a, you know, a match in a place and, and things coming to a head, but I don't know. That's a great segue. I just want to say that uh, uh, I did take uh, Spanish for a number of years. I'm I'm not uh, fluent. <laughs> I'm, I'm not bilingual, but talk about the, segues. The Ecuadorian. <laughs> well, you guys blew it. You guys, you guys talked for for quite a while, and you never got to the highlight. The World Cup highlights already been set. This this World Cup, no matter what happens, will always be remembered for today's chant of Carlemos Cerveza which is the Ecuadorian fans chanting, we want beer. And they just went on and on, apparently. With it. It's all over. <laughs> Queremos cerveza. And uh, if we had a better uh, production quality here, I'd play that for you. I'd be pumping that in there. But Let's uh, hope that's I, not I, I, any that's kind of a highlight. That's what they were chanting. And uh, it's good stuff. The other thing that I was going to say is, um, I don't want to get too deep on this, but, um, you know, uh, Tim, in that, opening three minutes or so uh gave i think he used all three variations of the host country pronunciation um and uh, is it even possible to to choose one i mean what, what that's the biggest scandal is that, you know, pick, <laughs> i pick actually listen you're not wrong you brought it up. you're not wrong but that's i think everybody is just kind of we're just gonna alternate as long as you just keep keep bobbing and weaving so what a missed opportunity because i well i was hearing one of them made me immediately Google the following is Gabe Kaplan still alive. And, and he is, thank goodness. Uh, Mr. Cotter is 77 years old. How can he not be the grand marshal of whatever the hell is going on in the desert? Let's get some work for this man. The photo I'm seeing here from 2006, not too encouraging. I've always enjoyed Gabe Kaplan going back to battle of the network stars. And um, well, fellas, did how many of you guys have, have dropped a few bucks on Gabe Kaplan's? Two thousand seven. going to go horribly wrong? Tim, you think something? Why do I even wrong? try to try to make a cogent point? Hey, I just, uh, hey, I why do hey, I bother? Two thousand seven. I just want. I, I'm going to finish it. I'm done. I'm, I'm. I've made my serious point, and I'm going to finish with. Wait, Gabe what? Kaplan is seventy-seven years old. Oh my God! And did you know? I no. just feel so. I feel so enlightened today, just in this because of Tim's going in this direction, World Cup direction. That in two thousand seven, <laughs> stop it! It's an interesting topic, Mike. It's an interesting topic. No, sir. Just I got to finish it. Gabe Kaplan published a book. It was titled "Goddard's Back: Emails from a Faded Celebrity to a Anybody Can Do an Internet to Search a Bewildered Mike. World," and so. 
how could what a missed opportunity by everyone involved shame on oh everyone starting with the host country cotter that's what i'm calling it cotter because this man needs work this man's ready this man's funny and he should be there should be a little picture in picture oh my god Gabe kaplan throughout the Tim, you think something could go horribly wrong? I think something already went horribly wrong. It's been going wrong for like the last three minutes. Horribly wrong. Anyway, they should they should sell beer and they should they should definitely be good to all people. Uh, so uh, let's move on to the no, second. No, 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 Tim. Do you think? I mean, you're, no, you're it's, it's, more no, tied in here, and, and and even just watching the first. I think it's possible. Here. I think it is possible that yes, that, that there's going to be oh. that the question is, is, uh, and I hate to say Mike brings up an interesting point, but or no, <laughs> maybe that was you, Kimball, I, somebody. I did. The, the idea between between uh, whether whether we will hear about it, because I do think that it's in in Fox's best interest not to try to undermine their own world cup by by over what they would consider reporting or over reporting uh the issues that are going on i i mean i don't know that we're gonna i don't know that we're that that american audiences are ever going to really be uh fully clued in unless unless we're getting our reporting from places other than other than the network that's broadcasting it because it's like the, the homosexuality thing was going to come to some sort of a head at some point you know, with because weren't there like protests before and and leading up did, to this, there was some. Did concern. you see that? Did you see the comments from the FIFA president just completely glossing over every everything? Uh -huh. I mean, it was just, it was it was abhorrent what what he said. I mean, he just it's as if he's just trying to brush this whole thing under the rug. But the comments about I mean, just just he basically dismissed the idea that. That these migrant workers had been had perished in the building of the stadiums. He dismissed the homosexuality issue. He dismissed basically everything that's been that's been said as if it was as if it was all nothing, uh, which is just the you know just playing into the into the role that FIFA has uh, has played for so long in in the World Cup that they just don't care as long as they're as long as the the checks are coming or checks are clearing and the bribes they're they're all they're all good. All right, and, so we'll move on from this, and we'll come back to Cotter at some point. How's that, Mike? I'm I'm good. I made my point. <laughs> All right, so I will move it along. Uh, I think that is interesting, but I I did have a rough day. I might have suffered the worst Jets loss ever, and I'm I I know we talk about the Jets a lot. I talk about the Jets a lot, but you know this seems like a day it has to be discussed. You know we're I we come to you on the night of. Of the Jets falling, losing their 14th straight to the New England Patriots, <laughs> it was just, you know, it was just remarkable game in its, in you know, in the pain that it caused. And the Jets had two yards, I think, in the second half. Their their savior quarterback, the latest one, was was totally inept. Jets Twitter is just ready to just totally throw him in the garbage. Um, you know, the loss obviously included a, a you know, a the only touchdown came on, you know, a punt return, the first kickoff return of or kick return of any kind in the NFL this year to go for a touchdown came with five seconds left in the game, left five seconds on the clock in a three, three game. You know, there's just so much pain and suffering involved in this. 
Um, and I'm here to say that even though there were so many things that were horrible, you know, you had the, 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 the one thing that really stuck with me is that when the Jets got the ball back with two minutes to go, and they had obviously shown for 58 minutes, they didn't trust Zach to throw the ball. And it was like, okay, the one way you can lose this game now is if you throw the ball, you know, now, like, see if you can run it. If you can't, you kill the clock. The Patriots aren't going to use their timeouts because they, you know, until you're down to, you know, third down, probably with nothing to go, nothing going. If you can't run the ball at all, you know, on first and second down, they're probably still not going to, but at least you'll have killed the clock. But of course the Jets passed and then uh, they got it first down and a lucky penalty and it was just a debacle. And then even though you could, their offensive coordinator is getting killed he did have one of the dumbest calls I've ever seen when you don't trust this guy to pass on third and two. You throw a pass that he hasn't been able to throw all day to the sideline. Very dangerous for a loss of a yard or two when it was just like, if you're just like, what are you trying to accomplish there? Like, if if you think you might get the first down, like that is not the way to go because he's already misfired on a pass like that like five times and now you're going to leave time on the clock. And they should have punted the ball out of bounds. And even though all these things, and even though the quarterback I never wanted us to draft and trade up for and get anyway is, is just feeling it, I'm here to say this is a seminal moment. This is actually, it's darkest before the dawn, and I am on board more than ever with this regime. I think this is, we're going to look back on this as the moment where the tide turned. And, and I'm pointing to, like, I want to hear your thoughts, guys, on this sort of as a, a concept, you know, where we, we've seen this with, with teams that are growing, growing pains. And we've seen Virginia basketball, their darkest moment was that first round loss. And, and just when we thought they were really becoming this great program and they rebounded from that. I think back to Duke getting blown out by UNLV. Now Mike will wake up. Um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we'll probably have five references to Anderson Hunt and players like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And and I think back to even the Red Sox losing so tragically, you know, on the Aaron Boone home run. But, you know, and, and if you're a Red Sox fan, you're thinking, how much more pain can I take? You know, if you're a Duke fan, if, if you're a Virginia fan, but then it's like you look back and go, you know what? We bottomed out. It can't get much more painful than that. But the positive signs are there. I really think like, you know, if you think realistically at how competitive the Jets have become to to be playing these toe-to-toe -to -toe games and and you know still being six and four for a young team i'm very excited i'm trying not to take the loss too hard i really believe there's much more good coming our way in the future and i just want to see if and say that while everyone else is is like bailing and down and see if you guys think that this is is your take from a little bit you know further away distance well I, I, for one, am much further away because I, I, I didn't watch the game. I, I can't pretend to, to know really much of what, what happened. But it strikes me just on the way you've presented it that I, I can't really compare. It doesn't seem as if, as if it was quite, so, quite such, a, such a tragedy as some of these other things that you've brought up that, that, brought, that eventually brought good, good things in. In, well, you know, of course, if the Jets had won ashes, this game, but... they would find themselves in first place in a division with four really good teams that are all playoff bound, including ahead of the Buffalo Bills, everyone's favorite, to win it all. And to it's think a... of that, the sad sack Jets would have been in first place 
having like beaten the Patriots and the Bills in consecutive weeks. It sounds to me, but I, I, I guess I feel like that this this whole Jets season has been such an such such an over uh, over performance already. I, I would think, you know, I don't. I guess I just don't see the the downside. I mean, I think go, going going to New England and playing a game that that uh, you know that before the season started, you would have thought was a definite loss, and hanging in there uh, and playing them to a three three game to the last seconds. To me, you know that that's a positive. That's that's all along that should be seen as like, wow. I mean, what a what amazing steps they've already made. Um, you know, I again, I don't I don't have the the intimate view of the Jets the way you do, uh, and I do have I do have my doubts about Zach Wilson as a quarterback. But but uh, but yeah, I mean, to me. What, I mean, what do you think the Jets were going to do at the beginning of the season? I feel like we we talked about this, and you you were assuming this was going to be another disaster. No, no, no. I was I was thinking like if they can go eight or nine, nine and eight, that that would be like great, you know. Mm-hmm. And so of course it's gravy, but but the problem is is now everyone's like this is just same old Jets. Like we are just a tortured franchise and will always be. And I'm saying no, despite what feels like just just another giant <laughs> nail in the coffin. Mike, what do you got? Come on. <laughs> doing some researching. Not... He's I'm always good. doing research. I think the 72 Dolphins deserve more respect. That's oh. all I'm saying. And uh, I don't really think or care too much about the Jets, and that's your All right, we'll take and... the topic of darkest that's before the dawn. Problem. Like, you, you've seen uh, these franchises. You've seen teams build. You covered Duke yeah. basketball in those yeah. years. When yeah. they lost to UNLV, did you feel like, yep, it's never going to happen for Krzyzewski? You know, uh, you know, I I don't, I don't know. know your sports history with with such things like this, but you. Must I was at the AJ Dewey game in the uh, rain, and we got there hours early and watched him intercept three passes from Richard Todd. <laughs> you could you could and, take uh, it you could take it right to the right to your boys this year. What about what about your your Fighting Irish losing to Marshall? Yeah, season's over. It's a That's disaster. A this whole thing is this whole thing yeah. is just burn it up. Fire Marcus Freeman. Yeah, let's get on with it. Yeah. And now look where they are. Yeah, and you know that's another. I get to me that's an even better example of of oh my gosh the 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 dumpster fire that that is Notre Dame football, and now they're on the on the verge of the top ten. It's yeah, make a call, crazy. Mike. Do you think? Do you think the Freeman? This is like a good sign that the Freeman era is going to be just like one of the best. And you know, this show is supposed to be my vacation. Oh my God! Come on! Constant <laughs> thought that I give to Notre Dame. I've I've tweeted around the clock about this team, and I and I'm I'll be there tomorrow at eleven at noon. Sorry, uh, for another round of. Uh, of hype week it's usc week and that's as much as i want to say on this show this is where i like to talk about gabe kaplan i need to have a little mini vacation so are you done with that i don't like talking about the jets i've not i've never liked the jets take it to the larger topic mike i'm not uh, we will we'll go on to duke unlp did you think shishevsky was never going to get it together virginia losing first round did you think they were never going to get together i think uh it's good to bottom out sometimes i'm familiar with it so uh L-E-T-S, let's move on. You're listening to uh, Three Point Range, where we each make a point, 
And then uh, sometimes one of us begs someone else to have a rejoinder, as Coso would say, and, and then sometimes we just refuse. You, you can uh, find us on Facebook and Substack and uh, hearing a lot of good things about the Substack and uh, more and more. And uh, I am. And uh, other things. And this is a this is a podcast and Anchor FM and we like them and uh, Google and Spotify and Amazon. So thank you. We um, probably only have a few minutes left because we do this through Cisco WebEx. So my point will be really quick. I was trying to watch, as I told you, the Gonzaga Kentucky game. If I'm a little ticked off, uh, it's because I don't have a lot of uh, non deadline time. And then I was just trying to watch a little bit of that. Well, within that. Uh, since we were talking about uh, Caremos Cerveza, I, uh, I I jotted down a direct quote uh, from Jimmy Dykes. I know we're all familiar with Jimmy Dykes uh, working. Uh, he went to Kentucky and and he seems to work every Kentucky game. And but then this is a chance where he was uh, had a little office interview, a little walk and talk at the trophy case in Mark Few's office, and it, it struck me as uh, funny in some ways and and awkward in some ways because um, it, the background was the WCC, the West Coast Conference trophy, because like, uh, there's no national championship trophy to use as the centerpiece. He was talking about his love of fishing and Alaska, and he takes his 14-year-old kid up there, whatever. That's nice. But um, it wasn't enough just to have this little infomercial for Gonzaga. I have not, no, I have no quarrel with Gonzaga in general, but you talk about missed opportunity and maybe this is a larger point. I can't look at Mark Few anymore without feeling like deep down he's afraid somebody's going to ask him why he didn't just call an Uber. And <laughs> I, I just can't. I, he's just not cuddly anymore. So Jimmy Dykes went on there and he made a mistake, but it was a mistake could have been fatal to someone else. This happens. It's not cool. So he got away with it, and he's been, uh, he's being. Uh, uh, sports washed in a different way here. And in this case, uh, this quote was uttered by Jimmy Dykes. I love, he, he mentioned it to the great John Boog Shambi on the air, and Boog followed it with a very long silence, uh, which was the only answer. Um, but uh, Jimmy Dykes said, I love the life balance that Fuey has. He's a guy that gets it. And everybody involved knows I'm telling the truth on that one. And then that was followed by a very long silence. And I just, I don't know him. Obviously, it can't be every reference. Mark Few, who, you know, really screwed up that time. But I would have been so much more interested in, you know, did Mark Few do anything uh, uh, to spin a, a horrible moment, a bottoming out moment into, you know, has he uh, made a, a huge charitable donation or donated his time or or befriended someone who struggles with alcohol abuse or, or substance abuse, whatever. I mean, he did it one time. He, uh, this does happen, but one time can be fatal. So you guys seem to want to take this show in a serious direction earlier. Um, and I'm just saying that uh, I, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that being an acceptable topic. I don't think he gets asked about it ever. I think he made a statement and then maybe was maybe he gets asked about it one time ever. But um, he certainly is, um, you know, ignoring what I would say would be an opportunity, at least publicly an opportunity. And, um, imagine though, let me just, just turn it on its head. 
imagine if Mark Few really did uh, own up to his mistake and 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 face it head on and try to become a force for good and say like you know x number of um, hundreds of thousands of people die you know who know or are involved in in a whatever the statistic would be on drunk driving and 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 become the face of of the, the person that you would maybe think about before you made the worst mistake of your life because he did make a terrible mistake and he lived to tell about it um and so I, I really don't care that he enjoys going fishing and, and, and goes to Alaska. And, and I don't even really care anymore that he's never won a national title. I just look at Mark Few. Maybe it's about me. I don't know. I can't look at that guy anymore without thinking, well, what a missed opportunity to take a horrible decision and spin it for, for greater good. And I think we have three minutes. A lot of guys have DUIs, DWIs, whatever you want to call it, Mike. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not saying that he has to resign. Um, although that, you know, I just think that it has to hurt recruiting at some point. It has to hurt the trust factor for anybody because he's the one. He's the adult in the room. And again, he's not, you're right. He's not the only one. He's the one that was on my television tonight. And they were trying to do the typical Coach, uh, he is, you know, he's, he, he didn't create Gonzaga basketball. He took it to another level, kept it there for 20 years. But really, his ultimate legacy could be, if I were his advisor, his crisis management person, his, his boss, his agent, his brother, I would say, try to imagine a scenario here where you don't have to run away from the question you don't ever want to hear, but ask, actually bring it up yourself with your platform and how many lives would you save then? Uh, as usual, I, the, somehow three point range manages to go, to come full circle. And I, I feel like we're, we've come full circle with this, with this topic in, in the sense that this is a journalism question ultimately as uh, coming, coming from a journalism school professor, I'll say that we can't expect just like we can't expect Fox, to tell the full story of the World Cup and the, the atrocities that have gone on behind the scenes, we can't expect ESPN, which is basically a PR arm for college basketball, to ask that question. You know that. You, I mean, you of all people know that. You, you're a beat writer for Notre Dame football. Do you not, do you not have to make decisions on occasion about, about you know, if... If uh, Marcus Freeman had a DUI tomorrow, are you going to be able to to dog Marcus Freeman for for days and weeks and years on end about about this DUI? I mean, you're not going to do that. This is a unfortunately, this is the world we live in. I that's why I loved working at Sports Illustrated all those years. We could parachute in, ask any questions we want, never have to worry about it because we weren't we didn't have to deal with that person the next day. We weren't we weren't anybody's PR arm. Uh, we weren't anybody's beat writer, and it was a great position to be in journalistically. But unfortunately, you and so many other people in this business have to balance your ability to continue to do your job with your ability to want to get to the to the deepest part of that story. And I don't think that you know I don't I don't think that ESPN is the place that we're going to go to to get that story. Oh, Somebody I, I somewhere think... might be might be able to to get that story and and get it properly. Um, 
but then also I had, you know, there's, there's hypocrisy to some extent in those of us who try to become too sanctimonious about mm-hmm. what's gone on because as Kimball pointed out, yes, if we, if we knew how many college basketball coaches had DUIs in their past, we'd probably be shocked. And there, but for the grace of God, go I. I will. I'll admit I've been behind the wheel, drunk, and not not been caught. But thank God. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're 19 years old, you do stupid things. When I work, few is a little older than that, but um, we all do stupid things. So the bottom line is, I, I hope my students are listening, as I know they they do religiously to Three Point Range. Um, that it really, I think it really is a a a journalistic question. Um, I I am not surprised that uh, that Mike didn't get the question he wanted wanted answered tonight during the the broadcast. I'm not surprised it turned into a PR fluff piece um, because that's you know there are certain places now that we can trust to go to go there, uh, and then there uh, there are other places that we can't and. So I think that's kind of where we're at, and uh, I think I think uh, you know until until as Mike was suggesting, Mark Few's people see it as uh, as an opportunity to maybe uh, turn that turn that negative into a positive and figure out the right person to do it. Um, I mean, we all know that it's that it it's possible that it can be done, but even that uh, is going to be. Is going to be somewhat sanitized for our protection, and we're not going to get. Uh, we're probably not going to get the the full extent of of you know everything that that occurred because uh, because the media just just doesn't have the power to control stories the way that that that, that we once did, and uh, and so we're somewhat at the mercy of our subjects. Yeah, and I I don't think we should rush out of this because I, I think. Um... We can show that we have many colors to our podcast and we can go a little deeper on this. You know, there's a coach in Syracuse, a longtime coach that had his own vehicle issue. And you really don't hear much about that. And um, and you with, know, much, with far more tragic circumstances yes, or exactly. consequences, I should say. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it, and I think a couple of things come to mind. One is when we talk about sports, is it should we just be as simple as look? If the law dealt with the person and it's over, it's over. Or do we say no? If the law just swept it under the rug, the legal system swept it on the rug, <laughs> it's still our job to to bring it up and for social reasons. Or is that really not part of it? And then the last thing I want to ask Mike and maybe get a, hopefully a real answer, and you too, Tim, is what is the most you have ever dogged a guy? I always think of like, um, you know, the... the uh, blue chips, right? <laughs> the sports writer constantly asking about recruiting violations. When you're on the beat, you can't just keep saying like, you know, you never really answered. You know, we, we still think there's something going on and, and you do the, bring it up every day, every press conference. But it, there's a point where you have to then I think of our presidential elections, how we just, how it's so easy for the biggest topic to just, you ask them once and then they dodge it and it never comes up again when it should be like, no, we are not going forward until we get an answer to this question, if possible. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I, you know, having not been in the media in such a long time, I, you know, I don't know myself how much I would just like say, like, I'm just gonna keep hammering away at this. I'm gonna keep digging, I'm gonna keep going because I, I'm not gonna let this one just die even if everyone moves on to the next story. 
Come on, Mike. Well, I don't really want to uh, take it in the uh. direction of of, uh, <laughs> of of reliving uh, greatest hits or or most difficult moments, but uh, I I don't think anyone would struggle to to find where I was a. Uh, uh, Right in the middle of, of the, the tough question, uh, Tori Hunter and I had that exchange. That was probably the one that in the social media era uh, led to the most blowback uh, positive. And, and, and also, you know, it, it ended up with him being the worst person in the world for Keith Olbermann that day. That's all I'll say. And uh, Tori Hunter was not the worst person in the world, but he had had, he had, had uh, uh, opportunities in the political realm to endorse uh, the Asa Hutchinson back in Arkansas, and it led to uh, the the whole question of uh, same sex marriage, and and uh, he was, et cetera. It was, it's hard to explain even now why I felt it was appropriate at the time, but I and I couched it. I've always thought these things through. I don't just uh, get to a press conference and say, "Oh, let me stir it up now." It's a great amount of thought goes into um, when you're going to take a, an interview or even a a group interview, a mass interview, a, a live broadcast in that direction. So I know how to do that and when not to do it. I understand time and place. I'll say that in, while we had this, and Tim, uh, thank you for bringing the academic side of this and the journalistic side of this, and I hope that your students uh, would be energized to talk about this for an entire class session because I think it's worthwhile uh, for sure. Uh, but the, I would like to say that maybe the best example of how to move on from it without running from it, to to take a negative and not necessarily, uh, uh, well, and and try and at least try to um, to 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 use it for good in some way. Um, I, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, uh, they're back. It seems like Texas is very good again, and this is a guy who always could coach, always could call ball plays. You know, was around USC, uh, Alabama. Uh, knows his stuff and ended up uh, being fired for, you know, I think the essential, uh, it's in the tall part of the legal system. He ended up being fired at USC because of alcohol abuse and, and he ended up uh, suing uh, for wrongful dismissal at the university. I don't know how that all came about, how that uh, sorted itself out, but he's still coaching because he's very good at coaching and he's still recruiting young people and convincing their parents that he'll, keep an eye on him and, and being around him will be good. And he's apparently very good at that. He's also very good at facing this issue head on in a way that I don't think Mark Few ever has, or Jim Beheim ever has, or so many others on and on have, have just avoided it. And they just wait and they, and they cower, but I'll give Sark credit for that. I've never dealt with him, never met him, but in February of 21, um, he, uh, he, I believe he did this through, uh, through a radio show, but his quote in part read, it's a very public situation. You know, I don't know if I would be the coach that I am today, the man that I am today, the leader I am today, if I didn't go through that. So he, you know, he obviously sought treatment. He'd come through his struggles with alcohol. He's not uh, avoiding the topic. He said, I think we all go through things in life. We all have adversity. We get faced with how we respond to it. The attitude we embrace for each day to respond to, whether it's self-inflicted adversity or outside adversity you get presented with. So he's trying to show that he knows what it's like to struggle. And I think that's courageous. He said, uh, I think it really shaped me, quite frankly, from 2015 until now in 2020, 2021. So six years later, now we're seven years later, 
He's back on top of his profession. He'll always be associated with, you know, what happened to USC, what, what might have been uh, if he just could have uh, had his personal life in order. We don't know all that. But he also took it. One more thing I'll say that he, this quote is, is pertinent to what, where the missed opportunity is, I think, for the people in, in that, with that platform who don't use it for good. He said, I think the fact that I'm dealing with 18 to 22-year-old males who deal with adversity on a daily basis, that I can be a model for them to look to, I can be a sounding board for them, that I've dealt with some real-life consequences, that I did have the perseverance to fight through. So that's certainly getting off script for a coach, uh, at the, especially at the college level where they have their talking points and they're supposed to be the strongest person in the room and the most poised and the and the wittiest and the smartest and all that because they're the head ball coach. But Sark, at least, Steve Sarkeesian, seems to have found a way to show that he was not going to be defined by his worst period in life. And that might not have just been one terrible decision to get behind the wheel and get away with it. It was a period of time where he lost control of his life. And now parents regularly send their talented young athletes to his care for four to five years and uh, have to trust his decision-making and his wisdom. And I think by speaking the way he did in that one interview, I don't know how interested he'd be in, in talking about it in the middle of a season, but time and place, context, there is an opportunity from the worst mistake possible for anyone um, to convert that into something that will help others avoid the same mistake. That's all. That's what I see when I see Mark Few. And it annoys me that uh, to this point, he still just wants to talk about fishing in Alaska. I'll say one more thing about, about the Mark Few situation. And that is, that's this, that um, one of the most precious things that we all have uh, is our reputation. And I, I learned this probably more more um, harshly from Anson Dorrance uh, than from anyone else when I spoke to him at length about the the sexual harassment uh, lawsuit that was brought against him and uh, and how that that the effect that it has on your reputation whether or not uh, whether or not it's true and I mean certainly no one in the Mark Few situation would would uh, would dispute the fact that that he got a DUI and, and Mark Few being, you know, up to that point, one of the most squeaky clean, you know, just just spotless reputations you could possibly have um, to have that now as part of part of his reputation uh, is is somewhat of a punishment in itself. Uh, honestly, um, you know, I think about about, you know, being in that position and, and having to deal with that. That's now as 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 Mike suggests, that's part of something that's going to that's that's now a part of him. And I, as much as I hate to admit to thinking like Mike, uh, it's I I too watching the Gonzaga Kentucky game tonight. It crossed my mind at one point. It did cross my mind. Not not necessarily while we were looking at the pretty pictures of fish and <laughs> and bears and stuff, but but it just crossed my mind. I was standing on the sideline. That yeah, that 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 that. Uh, is a piece of his reputation and i almost feel sorry for him for that because that's you know as 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 dumb as that is what he did um that is one dumb decision that ends up yeah that ends up uh being a part of his reputation forever 
and he'll never be the same guy in my eyes that he was, that he used to be. And I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way too. And, uh, you know, just in talking to, to Anson and how, you know, how his, his issues followed him, whether again, whether or not those issues, whether those issues were even worth being punished for, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just something that you can never, you can never scrub that it's done and it, it sticks with you forever. And that's, that's, that is a pretty harsh punishment in itself. Okay. Well, that's, um, all the time we have for, for this week with three point range. We thank you again for finding us, um, here at, uh, podcast land. And, uh, we hope that uh, you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I, I will stick to my original thought that there will be no Thanksgiving Day show, but Kimball's <laughs> apt to find me and, and make me talk. But let's hope he doesn't. So for the scout, Kimball Crosley, the professor, Tim Crothers, this is Mike Berardino. Thanks again. Yeah.